Do you say probably top three warmest to FSU would be, and it can be high school slash transfer right now? I feel like off the top of my head, I would go. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live. Go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No Bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? It's Logan Robinson from Here's the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful Wednesday evening. We are enjoying this before probably a tornado comes hits us. We got a damn, we're under a tornado watch here, so we'll see how long this live stream lasts. But with me this evening is Dustin Lewis, our editor in chief at NoGameBay.com. And down below is our lead editor of basketball, Austin Beasy. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we doing? We have to switch things up. I've been listening to our past podcast, and we're going to, I'm just trying to switch things up. It seems just repetitive after a while. So, like, what happens here? Wow. Yeah, if I was I if know. I was a lead editor, I wouldn't have to beg to get my basketball articles up. Well, that look above you to your right. Look above you to your right. That is our this is our editor in noldegameday.com. <laughs> That's Dustin Lewis. Oh, gentlemen, 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 what a busy week. It, you know, even with the season ending, I feel like things have just ramped up even more. You got the transfer portal, obviously, early signing days coming up on Wednesday, which we're preparing for. The Discord, I've never seen this Discord fly like crazy with messages right now, but this is just the time of year right now. And when you've got a team that's won nine games, this is what comes with it. So I'm I'm all for it, but it is nonstop right now. And Florida State still has a bowl game to play in over a week or so. So like it's it's gonna be a while before, you know, things truly wrap up for Florida State's football season. It's we've got a long, long couple months ahead. It's crazy, but definitely have to appreciate it compared to the scenarios that we've been in the last couple of years. So I would definitely rather have this busy 20, you know, 20 or so days, three or four weeks than just kind of sitting around. Yeah, usually you're relying on me talking basketball for 20 minutes, and this is not the year to do it. So thankfully we've got, we've got bowl practices and bowl season and transfers and recruiting. It's, it's a busy time right now. Yeah, basketball just, you know. Seem to be the year for if basketball were to have a uh, uh, not a great turn, this would be the time. Florida State football deciding to reach almost 10 wins. We'll see if that ends up happening with Florida State facing the Sooners on December 29th. Excited to get down to Orlando to start covering that one. But before we get started, everybody, appreciate everyone listening. The YouTube videos have been flying like crazy right now. We just posted another one with Jared Verse. Highly suggest you guys go watch that. But uh, as always, listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit the like button. Share it with your friends. We go live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. 
talking Florida State football, recruiting, and basketball. Uh, also, shout out to our friends at Alumni Hall. We've seen a few of y'all already use the code there. If you guys haven't yet, make sure you go got, go show some love to them. You can order online, get 15% off over there. Uh, have great merch. If you're going down to Orlando, that's going to be the place to go visit before heading down. Or like I said, you can go online, use 15% off with Spear Holiday. It's full cap Spear Holiday, 15% off with our friends over there at Alumni Hall. Uh, shout out to a few of y'all. You've already told us in the chats that y'all have been using that code. So appreciate everybody hanging out with us and also spending some time with Alumni Hall. Uh, let's let's jump into things, guys. I think the biggest topic to start off with is Jaheim Bell. Florida State lands one of the top, if not the top, tight end in the transfer portal from South Carolina. A really talented guy that, you know, looking back at some time at South Carolina, even this last year, South Carolina went down with some running backs in the backfield. And this is a, a talented player where he went in and played running back for a little bit of it last year. And that's just kind of how he is. How do you guys think about this pickup? Because Florida State, you know, you're looking at the tight end room now. There's going to be some guys moving on, some sticking here. We'll see if with the addition of Jaheim Bell, maybe even more. We'll talk about another target here in just a few minutes. You know, what does this do to this room and this offense? You know, what do you all think? Yeah, Jaheim Bell, not your typical college tight end. You know, when you think of a guy that's just going to line up on the line of scrimmage, he's someone that FSU can move around in, in different spots. Like you said, the backfield out wide, and we see how Norvell likes to use the the tight ends as fullbacks and H-backs. He's going to be involved in, in all of that different type of stuff. Um, at South Carolina, very productive, caught 56 passes for 757 yards and seven touchdowns during his career and also rushed 80 times for 300 yards and three more touchdowns. I mean, this is a, this is a guy who's – a Swiss Army knife who Florida State, they can just put him in tons of different situations to uh, get him the ball and another offensive weapon for FSU coming in in 2023. We'll see if they're able to pair him with the other transfer tight end, Kyle Morlock, here um, probably pretty shortly. But as for Jaheim, you know, he wanted to get closer to home, and there's no closer Power 5 program in the country to Valdosta, Georgia, than Tallahassee, Florida, which is, you know, about an hour and a half or so down the road so he'll get to play the remaining two years of his college career closer to home in front of his family and a high-powered Florida State offense and I, I think Jordan Travis is pretty happy to have a weapon of Bell's caliber coming in that he can use in that tight end room uh, next season alongside Marquise and Douglas and Brian Courtney obviously Cam McDonald Wyatt Rector going to be a couple guys moving on following the season, but if you're able to land Bell and, like I mentioned, Morlock, pair him with Marquiston, who's made some very big improvements over his career, Brian Courtney's flash in practice uh, throughout throughout the 2020, 2022 season, this room quickly flips into a potential strength for Florida State on offense. Yeah, as we, as we talked about last week, when, when Florida State hired Norvell, he came with this you know aura of oh, he really gets the tight ends involved. You know, it's a very tight end centric offense. We haven't really seen that last couple of years because they haven't had the playmakers. Now you have the playmaker in Jaheim Bell, and you know, like I said, maybe another one in Morlock coming soon. But this is an exciting weapon. You know, it's going to just make the offense that much harder to guard. And it was already really, really good offense this year, top twenty in the nation. It's just just one more guy for the defenses have to account for, and it's gonna be pretty exciting next year yeah there's a lot of talent and that's something florida state uh can now advertise a ton is yo, we've got players that come in and you have the potential to start that's not 
you know, Mike Norvell, when you're coming in, you got to earn it. You know, you, you got to earn it. But still, it goes to show you're looking at a lot of transfers that are ended up being starters on Florida State's offense. And you look at the wide receiver room, Micah Pittman. You look at Johnny Wilson, two starters. You look at Trey Benson now, expect to be the starting running back at, uh, ending the season. And we'll get to him here in just a few. But, you know, that's just what this offense and what Magnervell as a program can do. And Jaheim Bell, it just didn't take long. And it just makes sense being closer to home to around family. But, you know, with what Florida State's able to do developing these guys and then to put on the field nine wins, it just makes it so much of an easier and maybe a faster process to get some of these talented guys across the country come in and believe earlier than just having to wait. Jaheim Bell is one of those. It, it just didn't take too long of thinking, I think, on his end. Yeah, and what's there to think about? Look at Florida State's offense, the improvement they've made from 2021 to this season, you know, over 100 more yards of total offense per game for the Seminoles, and there's a chance that goes to an even greater level in 2023 with the amount of home run hitters that they're retaining and also adding on this offense. You know, like you said, now Bell's in the fold. Trey Benson's going to be coming back. Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, Hakeem Williams is coming in. FSU's on it for multiple transfer offensive linemen. Uh, this this unit could be as good as it's ever been uh, for this program in 2023. And he's already familiar with Tate Rodemaker, who he played with in high school. So even more sense to come down to Florida State. If there's ever a chance that Rodemaker is in there for 2023, we saw him against Louisville. Uh, you know, there's ever a time, but you hope Jordan Travis stays healthy through the 2023 season. But still, in the locker room, yeah, there's someone in the oh, locker yeah. room familiar with already. It's just that much easier to get connected with everyone. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Winston, Winston, right too. I mean, the from the wide receiver room to the running back room to the tight end room, a ton of talent for Florida State in the skill positions, and it's going to be pretty exciting to see how these guys develop and compete with one another throughout the off season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And looking ahead in this 2023 class at the tight end room, you're going to be losing Cameron McDonald guy that's been here for, I feel like 16 years, uh, but super happy for him to be able to move on from the program. But look at Marquise and Douglas, you're going to keep around to Preston Daniel. And then you've got a, a kind of a handful of guys. You've got some younger guys with Brian Courtney, Jackson West. I just like the way that you're going to be able to have Bell for a puzzle piece where you can use him in a different – he could be a piece that you use in game prep week by week. That's just kind of the talent that he brings to your offense. And just to see what Florida State was able to do this year, explosive-wise with Mike Bell, and using the talents to uh, – and some of his tactics to going against these defenses, it worked, and it worked a ton. Uh, and just improving into 2023 with Bell and this offense, you're just salivating, you know, if you're an FSU fan right now. And the way the way it worked this year with the tight ends is Mike Norvell was scheming them open with play action, different types of things like that to take advantage of their strengths. When you add athletes like Bell and Morlock to the equation, those are guys that are going to be able to get open on their own. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, too, Florida State, kind of had some inconsistencies this year was in the red zone. I think bell helps a lot in that factor of being a threat. So definitely if you're thinking of some of these packages that Florida state could use, you can throw out a Johnny Wilson far right side and have uh, Jaheim bell there in the slide. You could go over to the left side and have Kentron Portier. It gets kind of gets scary, man. It it really does. So I'm excited to see what coach Atkins alongside Munger bell, what they're going to put together uh, and some of these uh, packages next year on offense. 
Uh, let's talk about some more offensive players this time. One that's already with the program and is intending to stay another season. We talked about it on Wednesday, and I think on Thursday is when the news popped that Benson would be making a return in 2023. Florida State's leading rusher of the 2022 season so far. Getting close to the 1,000 yards. We'll see if he ends up hitting it. I think there's a strong chance he can look at Oklahoma's rush defense but Trey Benson returning for the 2023 year guys what does this do for FSU and Magnerville what they want to do uh, next season everything uh Trey Benson the breakout star for Florida State on offense this year five games in the regular season with over 100 rushing yards you know really paired up there well with Lawrence Toa Philly to create a tandem whenever Treshawn Ward missed some time during the middle of the season. And I mean, he just submitted himself as the best running back on this roster. I don't think any, any of us expected that whenever he transferred into Florida state over the off season or even coming into the fall. Um, it was, it was a revelation to see him come back from that knee injury and just the way that he's running out there with the physicality and confidence that he brings to Florida state's backfield um, to get him back is absolutely huge because you would think he would continue to make strides from that knee injury and is going to set himself up to have potentially an even better 2023 campaign um you know we've seen Lawrence Toa Philly Rodney Hill some of those other guys sign with that recent NIL collective the battles end as well so Florida State not just Trey Benson a couple guys come back in that backfield and once again it's going to be the strength of, of the offense he came in averaged almost seven yards a carry immediately broke two to three tackles every single play <laughs> Just just a powerful downhill runner who's still got amazing speed. He's one of the fastest players on the roster to get him back for next year. You know, we kind of talked how this year it was more split carries, and yeah, you'll see that next year. But at the same time, Benson is RB1. Yeah. And I don't think that's a doubt in anybody's mind. He was just that much of a difference making the last half of the season. And now you get a full 12 games, 13 games, however, how many games they play next year, um, to really see what he can do and, and put on some tape for the NFL. And he's definitely going to break that 1,000-yard mark, I, I would say, probably by his fourth carry against Oklahoma. <laughs> he's at 965 right now. So, you know, math, math says by the fourth or fifth carry, yeah, he'll be there. 35 yards away. Oklahoma doesn't have a great rushing defense. We've heard some of the FSU offensive linemen talk about it. I think it was Darius Washington after practice this week. Correct me if I'm wrong, Logan, but – he said they're definitely going to get Trey Benson that 1,000. Yeah, no, they're definitely planning on that happening. I don't think there's too much to argue looking at Oklahoma, looking forward to covering that game and then also previewing it. But Florida State looking ahead early, Trey Benson should be able to hit that, should be able to. But going to some of the guys that not really necessarily announced that they would be returning but signed with the Battles End, a new NIL group, primarily focused on retaining current athletes, primarily at the football team, uh, you know, one that sticks out to me the most probably is Lawrence Toa Philly going back to this front running back room. I think of Trey Benson, he's your clear starter going into 2023. But, you know, what does Lawrence Toa Philly do? What does Treshawn Ward do? We haven't heard yet on a, an announcement. I think nowadays you kind of got to look for these to have a feeling that there's going to be a return. But, you know, Lawrence Toa Philly on his end signed with the Battles in has a partnership there, which means he intends on playing for FSU in 2023, this is a guy that could transfer and go potentially start at a lot of other programs across the country just with the talent that he brings. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I thought that was really big for FSU to bring back a guy that, you know, saw a lot of action this season. And you can just see the different kind of back he is compared to Benson alongside Ward. 
Yeah, and that's going to be something to watch, uh, like you said, over the next couple of weeks, whether Treshawn Ward as well inks with one of these FSU NIL collectives. And I'm, he already does have a couple deals elsewhere, but we'll see if he joins forces with the battles in, like we're seeing a lot of current players on the roster do uh, right now. Like you said, Toa Philly did, Rodney Hill did. Uh, we got to remember Florida State, they still do have Kaiseah Holmes, a Penn State transfer right now as a walk-on in that running back room. And then they've got a four-star Samuel Singleton committed. So, I mean, this backfield could very quickly – get crowded and it's going to be interesting to see what whatever Treshawn Ward does decide to do um you know that injury really set him back this last year allowed Benson and Toa Philly to kind of assert themselves in the lineup so we'll see if he tries to come back to Florida State and get back into that rotation or maybe move somewhere else where he can get more carries and establish more of an opportunity for himself and speaking to that room, you know, Rodney Hill also signed to the battles and another guy that's very talented. Mm-hmm. It could probably start a lot of places, but he, he sees the vision, stays in, stays in the building. And so does Portier, another talented receiver who, you know, that, that, re- that receiver room is looking really crowded for next year. Um, so for a guy like that, who's not guaranteed to start, you know, he, he played a little bit this year, caught some touchdowns, but he very well could have gone somewhere else and see more opportunity, but he's back in the fold. I think those little things matter just as much as, you know, the Trey Benson's of the world coming back. Building that depth is something – you know, we talked about all season how they don't really have the depth right now. It's good to retain some of this depth that very well could have gone and played somewhere else and played a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's crazy. All of us on here going into the season, we're looking at the wide receiver room like, dang, this place is packed. So there's going to be definitely a few of them leaving, right? I mean, veterans stayed. Ontario Wilson stayed. Keyshawn Helton stayed. And you look at Portier also, along with Malik McLean, who also signed with the Battles in, will be returning in 2023. They're here to stay, and I, I think that just shows, man, about how Magnavell runs this offense, and Dugans has done a really good job of helping improve that room too. But, you know, Norvell's showing, hey, if you want to be a playmaker and you're going to get some playing time, come here because there's a heavy rotation, and it just helps too. You can also throw out, hey, we're not going to burn you too much before you go to the league or have the chance to move on to wherever it is. We're not going to burn you too much. And it goes the same way with the running back room. Trey Benson talked about it Friday night when we talked to the media after practice, saying, you know, definitely he does like that. He does like, you know, you're sharing it with the room. You're not going to burn too much tread on your tires before going into the league. And it goes to show kind of how maybe college football is and or maybe Magnervell is just a couple steps ahead of maybe some other programs like (laughs) Alabama that will absolutely tear you apart before you get in your first NFL season so or or he's taking a page out of Leonard Hamilton's book because Leonard Hamilton's done that with the basketball team you know play these guys 20 25 Mm -hmm. minutes still gonna go top five why does it matter obviously not these past two years but you know Scotty Barnes John Isaac Pat Williams you know these are guys that yeah you know played 20 25 minutes and now they're in the league doing their thing Exactly. I think I think maybe there's an argument to be made that Florida State has too many mouths to feed on offense, but I would rather that be the case than not having enough. Yeah, I'd rather go into next season going, man, how are we going to get everybody the ball instead of, you know, last season we're running, who are we actually going to get the ball? Mm-hmm. It's right. a much better problem to have. Yeah, and that's what you've been looking at Florida State and trying to – have that happen for years and years and years. And they're at that point now and you're able to retain an NIL helps a whole ton. And we'll see there could be when we get closer to after this bowl game, you know, there's definitely going to be another wave across the entire college football world of, you know, entering the transfer portal names will be flying, but 
right now some pivotal pieces that played a lot in 2022 will be playing in 2023. So uh, some really good stuff there. Any other names worth noting that you guys saw? Um, I know I saw Rob Scott uh, returning there. That definitely helps there at the tackle position. Anyone else? I think we mentioned most of them, but I don't. I don't remember if you mentioned Dennis Briggs, uh, No Smith. So far, over over fifteen players have signed with the Battles End since last week. So they've been doing a lot of work as far as helping Florida State retain not only guys that might go to the NFL, but also, um, like we've noted, some younger players on the roster that maybe could have went elsewhere and uh, had huge roles in twenty twenty three. Real quick, I just want to bring it up because we got to talk with Akeem Dent after practice over the weekend. What do you guys think that he ends up doing here? Because kind of dealt with the injury there near the latter half of the season. You know, Jamie Robinson expected him to go. But what do you guys think Akeem Dent does here? Because I think all of us on here projected him to move on after the season. But maybe the season just didn't go as expected that he wanted. Not a lot of takeaways there. You know, he did have some PBUs. There were some inconsistencies what do you guys think Dent does in 2023? That's how I kind of feel about it. The injury set his stock back a little bit. He didn't have as strong a campaign this season as he did last year. Um, and I feel like if he was going to go pro, we probably would have heard something about it already. Um, so I'm kind of leaning towards Akeem coming back in the fold in 2023 at safety alongside Shaheen Brown. That would be a nice tandem for Florida State in the back end, and then it would also allow him to really be the guy in that defensive backfield, an opportunity to showcase himself like Jamie Robinson did last uh, this year, leading the team in defensive snaps and such, and then rebuilding his stock in 2023. For Florida State's sake, I hope he's back, because otherwise that safety room's looking real thin <laughs> if, he's, if he's not in there. Um, Shaheen Brown kind of stole his thunder towards the end of the season. Obviously, part of it, the injuries played a part of it, but – Cheyenne Brown is really good, and you know Dent was hit or miss at times throughout the season. Do what Jamie did last year: come back, get a real good year of tape under your belt, and you know he's looking at a mid-round projection next year. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because he has got all the talent in the world. We've known that since he got to campus. Um, mm-hmm. Just has to put it all together for twelve games. Yeah, so we'll see what ends up happening there for Dent. Uh, let's jump into some practice. Real quick, uh, though, go let's ahead. talk about the 2024 commitment. We can just mention it briefly, yeah. but today, FSU actually landed a 2024 defensive lineman from South Florida, Jamori Flagg, who chose the Seminoles over Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Temple, and FIU. Four State, actually the first team to offer Flagg a, a scholarship back in uh, March of 2021. So they've been on him for a while here, and this is a guy who had a breakout junior campaign for Booker T. Washington down there in South Florida, 38 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, six sacks, and a pass deflection, a really physical and athletic defensive lineman who's got pretty good hands as well, probably about 6'3", 240 right now. So I would imagine he's more of an interior guy for Florida State in that 2024 class alongside already committed three-star defensive tackle Keyshawn Mashburn. So, you know, Florida State, they've got some serious momentum right now in this 2023 class as far as finishing it off on a strong note with some high school prospects and transfers, but they're already keeping an eye on 2024, up to seven commitments, the number five class in the country right now for Florida State. And, man, that 2024 cycle could be ridiculous. Uh, it's going to be fun to be out there on the bench from January to 
June, July, August, when Florida State's having all those recruits coming in and camps over the summer. Should be fun. But, I'm yeah, gonna... Jamori Flagg joins the fold in the 2024 class. I am going to clip that, and whenever we're in July. Oh, I'm going to complain. Also, June. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still going to complain. Well, I will be clipping that no matter what. And whenever it's 95 degrees out there, feeling like 106. And when you say this blanking sucks, then I'll have the clip ready for you. In I the chat, Will. Just keep those camps inside this this year. <laughs> yeah, for safety, for safety, for the safety for the kids. So make sure they're nice and hydrated, and also the beat members. Make sure they're nice and AC united. Uh, let's jump into some practice things. Nothing too crazy here. Guys coming back from a small little break. They're on a current long break before they go into full bowl practice uh, to get ready for Oklahoma, but. Uh, it was, I think the number one thing coming out of it, they had practice on Friday night inside Doe Campbell. Obviously, big-time recruiting weekend. You had Jaheim Bell there at the time, among plenty of others. Just kind of going through some position drills. It was cool to see, though, Keyshawn Hill and Amari Gaynor, Sydney Williams out there practicing. You know, I don't think you see that a ton at other programs. Also, to see Mike Norvell, whenever these guys are announcing their intentions to – enter their names in the transfer portal to see the support that he's giving to them, quoting the tweets, putting it out on Twitter, uh, you know, just talking about how, um, you know, great they were here at the program and kind of just helping uh, some other colleges notice them or putting some good in, good word and for them publicly like that. I just think that's the, the culture change shift that we've seen inside this program to where now that's the case. If you go all the way back, to the very first couple of weeks of Mike Norvell involved with this program, it was had more downs and ups. You had the Marvin Wilson debacle like this. This place has turned a big time turn. And I'm sure we'll have a big conversation about that during the off season. But uh, just to see a lot of these players out there practicing really hard. Sydney Williams always does that. You know, Amari Gaynor too, uh, Keyshawn Helton, you know, there's, a lot of guys out there practicing that are not going to be with the program anymore. And Mike Norvell talked about it after Friday and just said, you know, these guys, I worked them a ton and I, I put a lot into them because I challenged them and they've done everything. They've done everything. They've listened to me and it's just only, um, you know, on my end of things to, to put them in a position to succeed somewhere else if that ends up being the case. So I thought that was a really cool thing to see from Mike Norvell with having those players out there practicing right now. And you look at Mario Gaynor, he's out here visiting a few programs, West Virginia, one of those. Um, it's just interesting. Yeah, just like you, like we've already said, it just kind of speaks to the culture that's been built here at Florida State for these guys to enter the transfer portal and then also to understand – hey, I can finish my my college career here at Florida State on a high note. And, yeah, I think it just shows the commitment to the to the rest of the players on the roster as well as the coaching staff. You know, even though the, they're not going to end their careers at Florida State, they're going to finish things here on a strong note with a chance to end off with a 10-win season. And, and as you mentioned with the Marvin Wilson thing, we're a far cry from from that, you know, almost three years ago. It's – it's an entirely different locker room, entirely different culture, and it's something that needed to happen. It's something we talked about when the Norvell hire first came down. You know, this entire locker room, this entire culture needed to reset, and he's done that. You know, we're, we're just now seeing the fruits of that labor with, you know, nine wins, hopefully ten wins here in two weeks. But 
the program's on the right path. It's where it needed to be. And with these players remaining around the program, Florida State can still, if if they want, try and convince a couple of these guys to reconsider their decisions to enter the portal. You know, you think of a guy like Sidney Williams, a young defender on the roster who spent time at safety and linebacker during his career at Florida State with FSU losing some depth at safety following the season. And, you know, we talked about Akeem Dent, but we still don't know exactly what he's going to decide to do. Maybe FSU does try to convince Williams to stick around and work, battle in that safety rotation try and get back on the field in 2023. So we'll just see what happens with some of these guys. But Florida State, they've already had 10 guys enter the portal so far, nine scholarship players, one walk-on and Geno English. And I think we're all expecting a couple more guys from that roster to trickle into the portal here, either before the bowl game, shortly after um, the bowl game. But either way, I don't think the departures are totally finished yet for Florida State as far as the transfer portal. Mm -mm. Now, uh, nothing too crazy left from practice observations i think a lot of younger players it just goes to show i mean jarrell powers I, that's probably one name that i'll mention what what a weekend for him making some plays one-on-ones right in front of jaheim bell during practice put it in the discord notes but big time grab over um i believe at that time um god i'm completely missing on Jamie. Yeah, it was Jamie. It was Jamie Robinson off to the right side on the sideline, makes a grab, and Mike Norvell absolutely loves it. That was on Saturday. And then on Sunday's practice, uh, getting hit right over the middle of the field and had double coverage there, went up, grabbed it, and, and brought it down. And Mike Norvell ran all the way over to him and jumped on top of him. Jarrell Powers, just, you know, Dustin, you get to see him too at practice, just the physical presence. He's, you know, I think what Mangerville told us before even the season began, you know, the size of Ken McDonald, if not bigger, the way that he's put some work into the weight room really shows. But now putting it onto the field, these players getting more opportunities, getting extra practices. It's it's big, man, for Florida State gaining a bowl game like this. That looks going to stretch to the end of December. But for players like Terrell Powers, it just helps even more. It's huge. I mean, these these extra bowl practices are something that Florida State hasn't had the luxury of in in recent seasons and we're kind of seeing the way this coaching staff goes about and attacks it as far as, um, you know, I wasn't at these last couple of practices, but the ones last week where it was kind of like an hour or so of the older players going at it. And then the veterans kind of packed it up and they had a, a separate session there for the younger guys to, to do more work. They're really taking advantage of this, trying to develop some of these younger players on the roster. And then it's just going to pay off for Florida state in 2023 and beyond, I feel like. And Jarrell Powers is a perful, perfect example of it. A guy who comes in with a ton of physical attributes, um, looks impressive out there at times, but is still trying to put it all together as a tight end. He was someone that played a lot of wide receiver in high school up there at Duncanville with also a true freshman, Jalen Early, who's made some tremendous strides this year at offensive tackle. So I think you've got to like the future for Florida State at that tight end. A lot of people weren't happy whenever FSU signed Brian Courtney and Jarrell Powers, but they're two guys with very good instincts between the lines and a lot of potential between them. And I think they could both develop into kind of combo pass catcher and blockers in that Florida State offense. And two more guys that Mike Norvell can kind of shift around to that H-back spot if he wants to do some different things with them. I'm, I'm kind of I'm getting kind of excited for the tight ends, especially if you're able to add um, Kyle Morlock to that fold alongside Jaheim Bell and Marquise and Douglas 
it's getting it's getting interesting at tight end. Whereas before the season, we were like, blah, throw that room out of here. Very certain we called it the worst room on the roster. Very certain. I think we might have given it an F. I mean, we'll have to go back and listen <laughs> to our position grades, but we we were we were down on the tight ends. Which for good reason. I mean, I mean, Logan. Yeah, outside of McDonald, there wasn't much. Damn it. Wasn't much production and much experience in that room, and we were like, uh, but you know, yeah, th- there's there's some potential there now. Yep, I'm a big powers guy, big powers guy over here, and I didn't even freaking mention him earlier when talking about looking ahead of next season. <laughs> it just goes to show that we overlooked this tight end room quite a bit, and the guy is inside of it. But uh, remember, Jackson powers West, is going to be a problem. I know you're you're a Jackson West, I'm not a Jack, I'm not, I'm not a Jackson Wester. I'm I'm almost a little bit for for Brian Courtney, but I'm I'm very high in the powers powers guy and Daniel Lyons now. Daniel Lyons, my guy is Bishop Thomas. It's going to take just a a lo- little bit longer to develop him. Mean, he has signs, but you know Daniel Lyons. Woo! My goodness gracious, I love watching the OL versus DL man. Daniel Lyons is going again. Is he special? I know Odell Higgins is very excited about him. There's some serious young talent on this roster. You know, we get all chalked up on the guys in the two deep and who are out there producing on the Saturdays. But when you're out there like, like us with the luxury we have to view some of these practices and see the strides that some of the guys that just got here in January or over the summer or a year ago are making, I think the future is very bright with the progression on the roster compared to what it was a couple of years ago. Depth is be- beginning to be built in Tallahassee. Uh, let's jump into some recruiting, Lou, because I know a lot of our viewers and listeners are here for recruiting, definitely, with the season coming to an end and early signing day coming up. Lou, busy weekend. I know you were dealing with some crazy sickness, kind of what I was going through, weird stuff going on here in Tallahassee. So you weren't able to be there, but still talking with some people. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that last day. <laughs> but during the early parts of it, what, what are your what's your takeaways from a few things? What are you hearing? What's going on? Yeah, Florida State, nine visitors on campus uh, last weekend. We've mentioned Jaheim Bell a couple times. We've mentioned shorter tight end Kyle Morlock. You also had UTEP offensive lineman Jeremiah Byers, UCF cornerback transfer Devontae Brown. And then you go to the high school level, um, Devontae's brother, younger brother and four-star defensive back Damari Brown was in Tallahassee for an unofficial visit. Then as far as more official visitors, you had defensive back Edwin Joseph, um, Penn State safety commit Conrad Hussey, Virginia linebacker commit Cameron Robinson, and now committed to Miami defensive lineman Reuben Bain. So, I mean, man, a ton of guys in Tallahassee from Friday until Sunday. Um, FSU, they have landed Bell, Bain now off the board. Um, looking at it, I feel like FSU has a really good chance right now with Kyle Morlock. Two of the, they're one of probably two teams at the forefront of that recruitment along with Tennessee and Florida State so far has been the only program to host him twice, but he is supposed to get to Tennessee over the weekend. We'll see if that trip happens. Um, Jeremiah Byers went to Maryland after Florida State. Haven't been able to get in touch with him yet for an interview, but feel like Florida State getting the first visit there. They made quite an impression on Byers, and he spent a lot of time with Alex Atkins. Uh, One guy that I think FSU does have a big chance with uh, on the transfer market, Devontae Brown the UCF cornerback transfer for state really expressing some interest here, uh, three-year starter at UCF. You know, they would like to get both uh, of the Brown brothers here and Devonte and his younger brother, Damari. I think Damari personally is going to be headed to 
Alabama during the early signing period, but that wouldn't affect Florida State's chances with Devontae. Miami, another school pushing there. I think they're going to try and get him on campus this weekend. If he doesn't make it to Miami for a visit, that would uh, be a sign to me that he's probably going to be a seminal in the near future. And then I guess just going now down to the high school guys, coming out of the weekend, I think Florida State has a very damn good chance to flip Penn State safety commit comrade Hussey from the Nittany Lions. We'll see how it works out here, but he was a big fan of Florida State growing up, and they really impressed him throughout the weekend to the point where he said in his exit interview that he was a little shocked and uh, just overwhelmed by the trip to Tallahassee. So you've got to feel comfortable there. Uh, Then with Edwin Joseph, this is a guy, I think, in my opinion, that I probably feel the strongest about coming out of the weekend for Florida State to land during the early signing period. Right now, I think they're trying to stop him from visiting Louisville this weekend, and Miami has been involved there. But he's got really good relationships with the coaching staff. This is a guy who's been on campus twice in October as well, a big a big friend with Hakeem Williams. And those two guys have talked about competing with one another in Tallahassee. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see it go down during the early signing period. And then Cameron Robinson is one that I'm really interested in. Florida State pushing for a third linebacker. Uh, with Blake Nicholson and DeMarco Ward already in the fold in that 2023 class. But they've really turned up the heat here on Robinson. South Carolina is going to get him on campus this weekend. Virginia was in, I think, yesterday for an in-home visit. So they're still trying to keep him in the fold. But Florida State really opened his eyes this weekend. It's just going to be, does he want to leave home to come all the way down to Tallahassee and play his college career? Florida State, they're going to keep working there for the next eight or nine days to try and get that signature. And then Reuben Bain, I mean – they did. They really did all they could in this recruitment. We all saw the happy birthday surprise there with the mom on the Saturday of the visit. Mom was a huge part of this recruitment, and Florida State, you know, opened her eyes. But in the end, Ruben Bain's brother is a GA at Miami. His nickname is Hurricane. He's from South Florida, uh, so this not a huge surprise that he ends up at Miami. But Florida State, they did make quite a push there. So a pretty successful recruiting weekend. I think it's going to end up netting a couple more commits for Florida State down the line here from both the transfer portal and the high school class. Hmm. What do you say probably top three warmest to FSU would be, and it can be high school slash transfer right now? I feel like – Off the top of my head, I would go Kyle Morlock, the shorter tight end transfer, Edwin Joseph, who's still uncommitted at this time, and then Conrad Hussey, the Penn State safety commit. Those, those would be three absolutely huge signatures for Florida State to land. Whew, goodness gracious. Yeah, I like that Hussey guy, man. And definitely if you're looking at safety, we talked about it earlier with Akeem Dent Need and what depth. that room could look like. Yeah, you got to build some depth and get some younger guys at that position. Specifically, you can look in the transfer portal if anything comes up, but you want to start developing your own, kind of like what Florida State's done in the defensive end room with Pat Payton. You want to have that kind of talent that you – homegrown and you you'll have you'll be able to utilize for the next couple of years and not have to rely on the transfer portal too much but i do hussey definitely it seemed like he really enjoyed that visit there he kind of came away shocked to it i think if you're able to land hussey edwin joseph and then also the ucf cornerback transfer Devontae brown that's a very good conclusion for florida state to uh, defensive backfield recruiting in this cycle. And then this weekend, I mean, you've got Virginia cornerback transfer, one of the top transfers in the country, Fintrell Cypress scheduled to be on campus. It's going to be another 
Give me that name. This, I need the name. That name's that name is pretty fire. I got Fintrell Cypress uh, from Virginia. Fintrell Cypress. As of right now, Florida State, 13 more official visitors are going to be on campus this weekend. So the next couple of days are going to be even crazier than last week. And I'm excited. Especially with the um, football only facility breaking ground. Not this that weekend. excited. It's going to be a ton of work. Here we go. Here comes a complaint. Let's go, let's go through the names for this weekend, though, real quick. Like I said, Virginia transfer cornerback, Fentrell Cypress. You've got Colorado offensive line transfer, Casey Roddick, a grad transfer. Auburn offensive line transfer, Keandre Jones, massive, six foot four, 340 pounds. Western Michigan defensive line transfer, Braden Fisk, um, a top target for Florida State in the transfer portal. And then also recent commitment from the transfer portal, Miami defensive lineman, Darrell Jackson will take his official visit to FSU this weekend. And then let's go to the high school class real quick. Top wide receiver commit, Hikeem Williams will be in Tallahassee. Got longtime wide receiver commitment, Vondravius Jacobs. Um, Legacy and the first commitment for Florida State in the 2023 class. Lamont Green Jr., four-star defensive tackle, K.J. Sampson, who kind of surprisingly committed to Florida State back in March, but has held strong ever since. Defensive back, K.J. Kirkland, committed to FSU since the summer. Defensive back Jabril Rawls committed to FSU since early in the fall. And then two targets, um, some interesting names here. Wide receiver Andy Jean, a Florida commit. He was back in Tallahassee um, during the regular season finale whenever Florida State took down the Gators. Didn't choose to interview during that trip, but with him taking an official visit on the final open weekend before the early signing period, I think that shows that there's mutual interest between both parties. And then finally, you've got three-star offensive lineman Chris Otto, who – We've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast throughout the fall, kind of an underranked guy that Florida State likes um, on the offensive side of the ball right now, but could go to the defensive side of the ball whenever he does get here to Tallahassee. That's a guy who I do think will end up in the class, but as of now, he's not planning to sign in December. So 13 official visitors coming to Tallahassee. FSU pushing for a 14th guy to arrive in four-star defensive end commit Keldrick Falk. That would be an unofficial visit this weekend but they want him in Tallahassee because Auburn is pushing for a flip there. So if he shows up at Florida State, you've got to feel comfortable that he's going to get, end up signing with the Seminoles. If he goes to Auburn, not a good sign that he would probably end up flipping to the Tigers. And then just to end it off, there were two other guys that were supposed to be on this list that are no longer on it. You've got Juco offensive lineman Keyshawn Blackstock. Feels like he's going to be headed elsewhere as FSU focuses on portal prospects. And then three-star wide receiver commit Darren Lawrence. Uh, Goldie was supposed to be in for an OV this weekend, but he will not make it. I did ask for to say there are no concerns as far as him not ending up in the class. He will be signing with FSU uh, later this month. So, mm-hmm. yeah, another really big weekend coming up for Florida State, not only on the high school front, but also the transfer portal front. And hopefully I'm healthy enough to cover the whole thing. Hopefully so. Get this man an IV. We're going to send it home with him. Send the Ivies over to Dustin Lewis's estate. Real quick, though, I want to go back to Kedrick Falk because I've been getting a lot of questions here. I wrote it down. Uh, you know, what is it with Auburn here and, and pushing? What do you think? I mean, we saw him in person. We talked about him earlier. Really impressive, and you'd love for Florida State to keep him. Um, and what, you know, you look at Coach JP and what he's been able to do. It, it's now doing numbers, and he's sending guys into the league and develop them very well. But what is Auburn doing here so much of where it's starting to get Falk's camp a little more attention before we get to early signing day, which is next week at this time? Well, you know, one, one big factor here is 
Auburn has some NIL collectives that have some serious cash in the coffers. Uh, you know, you, this is a Tigers program that recently flipped four-star defensive lineman Darren Reed from LSU. And at the time, Auburn still didn't have a head coach officially signed. So that, to me, just shows that they're really working hard on the NIL, NIL front. And then ever since Hugh Freeze and the new defensive line coach arrived up at Auburn, they've uh, really made Falk a priority, a guy who obviously is from the state of Alabama, and they're just trying to push to keep him home. But Florida State doing whatever they can to get him and his family down to Tallahassee this weekend, I, I think it would show a big commitment for Falk to Florida State to unofficially visit FSU on his own dime rather than taking a free trip just up the road to Auburn. So whatever he does decide to do, that's I feel like that's really going to show which way he's leaning in this recruitment. And, I, you know, it's Wednesday night here. We're going to hear something soon. I've reached out on this the past couple of days. I've been told the same thing, which is FSU is tr- is doing whatever they can to get him and his family to Tallahassee this weekend. We're going to know something pretty darn soon. You're muted. So we could have an entertaining – could have uh, or, or entertaining early signing day. It seems like it's headed that way, but it's always fun to have these kind where, you know, Florida State's making some strides here. But you know what? Got to say, the last three or four years, we have been filled with surprises, I must say. So you never know until literally the pen hits paper, I'll be honest with you guys at this rate. Let's talk about a surprise I don't expect, which is, uh, you know, there's been a lot of buzz lately between Hakeem Williams and Colorado. Um, I put <laughs> something in the Discord earlier this week, but Deion Sanders been hitting, been going after Hakeem Williams pretty hard to the point where, he was calling him every day for the last week, trying to get him up in uh, – are they in Boulder? I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to say Boulder. the wrong city. But up in Boulder over the weekend for an official visit. Hiking Williams obviously did not end up taking an official visit to any program last weekend, which is what we said that we expected um, on the show last week. Instead, Hiking Williams went up to L.A. to watch the Chargers take on the Dolphins, and he was hanging out with Asante Samuel Jr., um, Samuel Jr., one of the people that was helping take care of Hikeem Williams while he was on the West Coast. So instead of going to see Deion Sanders in Colorado or some other school, he decided to go support a formal, former Noel on the West Coast with a nice little trip, and now he'll return to Tallahassee for the final official visit of his recruitment before signing with the Seminoles this weekend. So I don't think you have to worry about your top-ranked commit going anywhere else on early signing day this time around, Seminole fans. Booyah. No, that does sound better. Uh, Dion, 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 Dion seems to be like what Miami likes to do. And once Florida State makes an offer on somebody, boom, we're going to go ahead and get involved too right away. It just seems to be that way with at least Dion's, Dion's camp right now. They tried to get on Kyle Morlock as well. So I think they're just, yep, they're getting on the recruiting websites. So like, all right, who's got the FSU offer? Let me go try and get University. Yep, free scouting. Free scouting. Uh, I know there's been some comments in here. We can go over it if you guys want to. But there was a report from earlier this week. It's crazy how quiet it's gotten. Like, usually these kind of things have some legs and go for a couple of days. But there's a report from On3. Uh, I don't know. I have his name. I know his last name here. I'll get the tweet up and show it 
two guys at former FSU wide receiver commit Destin Hill expected to arrive in the spring at Florida state. I'm trying to get the tweet up. So bear with me here, but uh, as we know, Destin Hill, a part of this previous class supposed to arrive highly talented wide receiver out of Louisiana. Uh, never saw him come into the class though. And there had been, Things that we've talked to, people we've talked to, sources, reports, everything of its nature. This is a true unicorn story. But Destin Hill hasn't came back on on campus that we know of uh, for a very long while now. But there was a report that came out. I'll pull it up here in just a second. What are y'all's thoughts on that report? Just initial reaction as you saw it the night of. Because I sent it in the group chat. And I'm like, uh, we're really about to do this again. I think I had the same kind of thought because, you know, been doing this for two years now. Uh, he didn't make it initially. And then there's been a couple times where we've heard there would be some optimism. He would make it in for this semester or that semester or by this date or by this month and summer workouts. And then it never ends up uh, transpiring. So I, this isn't the first time that we've heard something like this and, who knows if this is the time it finally transpires. Uh, I have reached out to Florida State for comment. I haven't received a definitive no to this point, but I haven't received a definitive yes either. So we're just going to kind of have to monitor this throughout the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, and see if there's anything more concrete that we can tie down to this situation. But again, this isn't something that I think is worth wasting a ton of time on at just due to the fact that it's been now two years removed since he was supposed to arrive here in Tallahassee, uh, Florida State since then has made a ton of improvements in its wide receiver room. You've got a really good class of wide receivers coming in. So I don't think it's worth getting all caught up on Dustin Hill because if he was, let's say he does arrive to Tallahassee for the summer semester, who knows what kind of shape he'll be in two years removed from playing football Will he be able to break into the rotation with the amount of talent that Florida State has on the outside now? There's a lot of what ifs. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to touch it too much until we we get more of this tied down. How's the old saying go? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, kill me. Something like that. I didn't know that was the third part, but um, <laughs> it's just like we've we've already been through this twice. <laughs> we've already been through this twice. Yeah. Until he is on campus and one of y'all is in the group chat going, oh, my God, he's on campus. Uh, I'm not. With the picture? With the picture. It might have to be my own eyes. It might have to be my own eyes. That's insane. Unless it's one of you two in in our group chat going, he's on campus. That I'm I'm just not going to believe it. You know, if if he does show up, great. You know, Norvell has kept his spot for a reason. But we'll see. Now, it is worth noting Greedy Vance Jr., a high school teammate of Destin Hill, did well, – I don't, I don't know exactly what he said about the news, but Wait, he put out a little message with it. And this report surfaced on the same night that Florida State offered a couple of prospects from Des- Destin Hill's old high school over at Edna Carr in Louisiana. So a couple, couple of inter- interesting tea leaves. Ooh, there has to be a Netflix documentary about this. Hopefully, at some point, I'm I would watch it. There's this definitely gonna be it. at least there's definitely gonna be at least a short thirty for thirty film at bare minimum. <laughs> there's gotta be someone's gotta do a documentary because like 
anything that happens if he does indeed end up we see him a, a picture of him in front of the more this this could this is a national story then he puts on a uniform he takes the field he's announced on the jumbo trial like this is just turning into a movie script because i'll be honest with you guys i think like six months ago i I've, i had kind of forgotten about him and then whenever you see a tweet like this and let me do it for the audio listeners because we have it displayed for our video watcher this is from on three sports sam spiegelman saying former top 100 wide receiver Destin hill of new orleans and the car is expected to enroll at florida state and may a source tells on three um, Hill, one of the nation's fastest players, signed with the Knolls over Alabama in February of 2021. I thought someone was screwing with me. This new Elon Musk with these verified badges. <laughs> you never know, man. I had to go. I, I went and checked that verified badge. I was like, I have to it, see this. Everyone thought it was a joke. Every single person. No one oh, took yeah. it seriously. That was the best part. Like Everyone looked at it and was like, uh, no, nah, we haven't heard this. And then the you know greedy Vance quote tweets it with whatever he said, and then the Instagram story. I, I still don't know what to think about it. It's going to be one of those that he's just going to just appear on campus. Like you're not going to see him arrive. You're just going to see him stand at the fifty yard line for some reason. <laughs> yeah, just out of nowhere. Yeah, if it does happen, it's just going to be we're going to wake up one morning and re- and realize, oh, who's this guy on Seminoles.com online roster? <laughs> exactly. I, I... I mean, we did hear from a former equipment manager who who told us at FSU each summer now they've they've got a locker ready for Destin Hill if if he does arrive. So I, I'd be interested to see if they do that again this <laughs> this time around and just you know hold a spot for him. But Florida State not totally turning the lights out on this one yet. It would be insane if he did make it. Yeah, no, it's insane either way. Him. Like. No matter which direction this goes, it's insane. Either we've been fooled three times or he shows up on campus. We're like, oh, my God. It's, I think it's more than three <laughs> at this point. It, it's three, like, for sure. You know, I, f- I feel like we've been asked about him every week on the podcast for the last six months, and we just ignore it. Just because, you know, it's nothing last to talk year, about. Last offseason, it was like every episode. Yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. it's insane. I, I I can't believe we're still doing this two years later. It's still happening, man, and we're going to still be still talking happening. about it going into 2023 in that first quarter of it. I mean. Don't even have any new pictures that we can use for the articles. We're using all these pictures <laughs> from like 2019 and 2020. Because nobody's heard anything. If he, do, if he does show up on campus, I don't even know what he looks like anymore. So <laughs> I'm just going to be guessing. He might be a tight end at this point. You never know. Who kn- You never know. Things could change. Uh, it'll be a fast ass tight end though. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and I, I, I think the the biggest thing about it though, this is really talented player. If this was someone else, it would have been long gone. It would have not cared. But the reason is, this is a very talented player. Is he still the same way? That's to be determined. We'll see if we get to determine that if he arrives. But really, really talented time and during his his high school days and. Watching his tape is you see a lot of talent and some from a previous guy here that was an absolute legend. Uh, a lot of similarities to Pete Dub. So yeah, we'll see. We'll, 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 we're not going to dig into this. We've we've asked. We haven't heard a definitive no. I haven't heard definitive. Oh, we're not no going to dig too far, but we'll, you know, dig a little bit. Dustin's digging into the Twitter. I'll do, I'll do enough. Plan. Could Jordan Travis's his looking interview at my on ESPN? Comments, looking at different things. Jordan Travis had an interesting comment on Sirius XM saying oh, yeah. there's going to be some 
some surprises. I don't think this is he what he had in mind. I, I, I don't. I don't think he planned on this one. <laughs> Come on, Austin. I'm trying to get the ratings up for this movie that we're going to put together. It's going to be a full-on documentary. We're going to spend a whole month in New Orleans. Who's excited? Or Louisiana? Oh man, I can't wait. No, just, just New Orleans. Orleans. New Orleans. Come on, man. I had a great time. Yeah, VZ did. For a guy that doesn't drink, he had a phenomenal time. And I love New Orleans. I give that to him. I feel like you have to drink when you're there. Like it's Spanish. No, right? you don't but have VZ, to. VZ always has a good time wherever he goes. I I mean, he does go to country streets. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I was going into New Orleans expecting that to be the case. Like, this is New Orleans. But maybe it's because I've previously been in Louisiana before and New Orleans, and it's. Shout out to all our New Orleans listeners. <laughs> Let's make sure we move on here. Uh, but for great time though, great time. I don't remember Sunday. At least for at least for at least for me, I don't know if Logan remembers. You know, Saturday. I remember a little bit of it. <laughs> Andre's telling us to stay home, so we got to move on from our New Orleans talk. There, I'll jump into the next thing. What do y'all got? Anything else, VZ, for basketball? Because I know that y'all got a game-winning streak going on here. Yeah, man. Two-game winning streak. You beat the the what, like the second-worst team in the country in Louisville. Uh, then, you, then you turn right around and beat a better team in USC Upstate. Kind of convinced that. I was kind of surprised, honestly. Um, they held, I think, the best player in that conference to two of 19 shooting. Um, I'm not sad again. I'm in a good mood this week. We're good. You can take that off. I'm in a good mood. Two straight wins. You. Oh, here we go. He beats TCC. The last last two weeks, Florida State's been playing a better brand of basketball, even those losses to Virginia and Purdue, who are, by the way, right now, the number one and two teams in the country. You play them very respectable, very, very competitively. Come back home, do what you need to do against the worst ACC team I've seen in my lifetime. In Louisville, um, turn right around, get some momentum again against USC Upstate. They, and then they got a good limits test this Saturday in the uh, Orange Bowl Classic down there in Sunrise, Florida against St. John's, who's a top 75, top 80 team. You know, if, if you can find a way to win that game. So it's a much different looking season, honestly, um, for, for a team that kept getting bad luck, kept getting bad news after the, and it kept continuing with the Cameron Fletcher injury. You know, they're, they're finding win- ways to win, and a lot of it's been because of Matthew Cleveland. He's been really, really good these last two weeks. I know I was kind of tough on him to start the season, but he's been phenomenal these last couple games, especially rebounding the basketball, especially uh, essentially doing what uh, Cameron Fletcher is doing. Uh, I think he had – if he didn't have a double-double last night, he was damn close to it. Oh, no, he did. He 16 did. points, 10 rebounds. Um, that's exactly what Florida State needs. They're still not a good rebounding team, but at least they're trying. And that's something we couldn't save for the first how many every games they lost. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the growth in Matthew Cleveland, and that's what I want the most. That's what I want the I'm most just, because, like you I'm said, you saying, were hard on him. I was, I was, I was very hard on him. But in games he's hit a three. Florida State's three and one this season, and the one loss was to Purdue. The math be mathing. It's nice to see them competing too, like you said, against the talent that they face to stay in those games. Whereas going into the game, no, no FSC fan or anybody would really have, have projected them to compete compete there for as long as they did, just because of the the start of the season. Yeah, and you know, I think the narrative is still out there that 
they're still lost defensively, and to, to some extent they are. Um, but like after that Stetson game, they're like, oh man, it's gonna be another long season defending the three point line quietly. They have one of the better three point defenses in the country, allowing teams to shoot just thirty two percent from three. Um, they've made some real significant strides in certain areas that they needed to make strides in, and it's kind of cool to see. Granted, I wish you know they were winning more, but you know, two straight wins. Um, good opportunity this Saturday to to keep it going, um, and they'll see an old friend. Missouri's down there as well, playing in, in the classic as well against another team. So they'll they'll see some old friends and hopefully get out there with a third straight win and, and keep the good times rolling. Maybe they can just convince Dennis Gates and Leonard Hamilton to switch teams, and Gates can just come home with Florida State, and Leonard Hamilton can just go to Missouri. Yeah, if if anybody wants to accidentally give them each of them the wrong plane ticket, you know. That's not saying it should happen. That's messed up. I love you, love you, Coach Am. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 I just, I just do find it funny that they're both in the same event. It is fun. Unfortunately, it's no fun. chance of playing. What? I said, unfortunately, no chance of playing each other, though. Yeah, I mean, that's not happens. like one of those. It's not one of those tournaments where you win, you get to play another team. It's just quick little one game classic and back to tally. And, and it's See, I don't like those. Florida's like down there too, playing. I want to say UCF, maybe. Um, it's it's always been one of those events where they they have two or three games in the same day, and then that's it. But it is what it is. You can, you can't win in everything. Nope, you sure can't. Especially not uh, I want to mention. Hmm. Don't come on now. Go ahead. We've moved on from it, right? Go ahead. Uh, let, let me jump into some real quick too. We forgot to mention earlier, but Uh-oh. press release came out this evening. What happened? Oh, I was just saying we forgot something. We thought I was going to come and. <laughs> no, we no, we didn't forget really much anything, but it's definitely worth mentioning here. Uh, Peter Work and Bobby Bowden they'll be joining the All State Sugar Bowl Hall of Fame. Uh, two absolute legends. Um, you know. I don't really have to say much here about both of them, but you know, Bobby Bowden, incredible coach and what they were able to do in that national championship. Uh, you know, I didn't get to see it. I was pretty young at that time. Didn't get to see it, but just seeing the photos, obviously the highlights afterwards, what an incredible, incredible game that was. Uh, but I, I just wonder, man, if you could have Twitter back then during that time, what it would look like, because definitely with Peter work, man, highlights out the kazoo, man, going everywhere across social media, Instagram, man, it, he would just blow up your timeline and have a feeling back in his day with just the plays that he would make. But obviously big time game there, Florida state getting that national championship. Um, but congratulations to both of them. Yeah, and as far as Bobby Bowden, six different games in the Sugar Bowl, and then you have Peter Work, the one in 2000, where Florida State wins their second national championship over Virginia Tech, and he has that ridiculous um, performance. So, yeah, two really good honors for two of the most prestigious figures in Florida State football history. Well-deserved. A lot overdue. Uh, real quick too. There's a question inside of the chat here from GVO Jalen on YouTube asking, do we have one of the most deadliest offenses in the country next year? Sure. seems to be adding up that way. It's pretty deadly right now, as it seems 
and watching it and what Florida State's been able to do. We talked about it earlier in the show, but it seems close to deadly. If it's at good right now, it's definitely at good. Uh, deadly might be top five, I guess you would say, but Florida State very high right now and improving week by week on offensive ratings. I mean, on, on paper, it should be one of the three or four best offenses in the country next year. Things don't always work out like they should on paper, like we're seeing with UNC basketball this year. But, you know, they, they've got weapons at every single position and the potential to add more, depending on what happens with Morlock in the tight end room. But you've got three running backs that you trust. You've got too many receivers to count at this point. Um, I think it really just depends how the offensive line figures out. Um, obviously, you got Bless Harris coming back from injury. But I think I think it really matters how they're going to replace Dylan Gibbons at the left guard spot. Are are they going to land one of these transfer linemen? Or are they going to trust what they've developed so far? Yeah, I think to me is it's just the the year to year improvement for Florida State. Last year, three hundred and seventy nine point three yards of total offense per game, and then this year through uh, twelve regular season games. 475.7 yards of total offense per game. So that's an increase of nearly 100 yards per contest for Florida State. They're averaging 6.86 yards per play. This offense has been on a tremendous roll, especially over these last six or seven games uh, for FSU. And with the amount of playmakers coming in, with guys on the offensive line coming back who should continue to improve as they get older, and you've got younger guys on that offensive line who we haven't seen play big roles yet. You know, Julian Armella, um, Jalen Early. There's some other guys across the roster. They're involved with transfers on the offensive line as well Ronnie as some of skill skill positions. So, I mean, just from top to bottom, this Florida State offense has a chance to to dominate in 2023. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me this year when you look at it uh, on the stats. There's only four teams in the country that averaged over 500 yards of total offense per game. I I wouldn't be shocked at all if Florida State is on that list next season. Mm-hmm. a lot of talent a lot of talent that is young in there and that's just going to continue to develop including Heike Williams You've got Rodney Hill already in the fold you like your wide receiver room yeah 2023 should be pretty special for Florida State's offense and I just really liked how Mike Norbell has called a lot of the games this year and kind of gave a lot of crap to him the last two years along you know Kenny Dillingham also there but just let alone this year you know didn't talk too much about you know kind of his game plans that he went in through and i thought he did a lot of game management did a little bit better than that since the last couple of seasons before but you know florida state has a chance to be special both offensively defensively um you know we'll continue to keep an eye out on fabian love it alongside jared verse if any kind of announcements come there right now i feel like in my brain it's just leading into guys are going to figure out things after the bowl game at this point Things could change, you know, NIL packages. I know can, you know, take a little while there for maybe both of them because they would be the higher projected guys to go in this upcoming draft. So a little bit different some than some of these other ones that have already kind of announced their intentions or have announced partnerships with some other NIL collectives. So we'll keep an eye out on Love It and also Jared Verse. So we'll see. Anything else, guys, worth mentioning before we wrap things up? And get ready for early signing day. We'll, we're gonna have to figure out. We'll probably do the same old, same old, where we'll go live that night. God knows what could be, what kind of state we'll be in by then. Because last year was absolute insanity. Thank you, Travis Hunter. But uh, 
shout out to you <laughs> of an absolute crazy way. I mean, even VZ was involved there for that. You know, it's wild when VZ's. I, I don't. I think involved dialed in. No, you were you're involved in had your ears in. No, you're in here. Want to know what's going on? I'm like VZ. Chill. Early signing day. Hold them back. Next Wednesday, December 21st, and extends to Friday, December 23rd. So, yeah, all the players that will be signing in December have about a 48 hour period to do so next week. And then after that, you'll have the traditional national signing day, uh, first week of February. I don't know. I don't want to say the, I don't want to say a wrong date, but it, it should be the first week of February, like every year. Ooh. Man, so we will be going live. The plan is to go live at eight. Uh, we'll, you know, you never know. There could be some signings going on that's later in the night. There, we'll keep keep your eye on our Twitter. I would suggest at here the spear. We'll announce what time we're going live, but we're gonna try to stick with eight p.m. Fingers crossed, unless something changes. So we'll see yep. you guys next week. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. We also have an audio version. We upload this right after we go live. You can listen to it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Um, if you're on iTunes, feel free to rate five stars. We'd definitely appreciate it. Share this with your friends. Appreciate all the listens and the views from the last episode, one of our highest of the year so far. So appreciate everybody. Uh, safe travels, everybody traveling, going to see their families, getting close to the holidays. So appreciate you. And we'll see you guys next Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Peace.